Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have another legend of a guest. It is Ben Parker. We're going to be telling his story. Now, it's not a comeback story. Ben has been on the island of Phuket for quite some years, but we're going to discuss all that. This story is for anyone out there that, you know, had that dream of maybe having a professional MMA fight. And at the age of 40, he's going to do just that for one championship. It's in Bangkok. He's going to share the, the details and the dates, location, all that stuff. But I believe this podcast is for anyone out there that's listening. You know, maybe you started training later in your career and thought, you know, I might never get that opportunity. But living in Thailand, living in Phuket, living in Bangkok, those opportunities do arise. So we want to tell that story of Ben and how he got that opportunity and what he's going to be doing uh, in his upcoming fight. Now, if you want to know a little bit about us, Fruiting Body Podcast is a medicinal mushroom company. The name of our brand is Fruiting Body. So we're doing things like lion's mane, cordyceps, uh, all these types of functional mushrooms. Uh, you can check us out in the description. It's fruiting-body.com. Now, if you're tired of listening to me randle, ramble and you just want to get this podcast started, we have timestamps below. You can navigate, see different chapters, different topics, and jump around. We also have a clips channel called Fruiting Body Podcast Clips. Uh, I think I've pretty much covered all our stuff. Oh, yeah, don't forget, like, subscribe. It's much appreciated. We love you guys. We're growing. We're, we are the number one podcast in Thailand. Why? Because I said so. So without further ado, let's get this podcast started with Ben Parker. Hey, Ben, uh, first, thanks a lot for joining us today. Uh, man, it's my pleasure, Brendan. Oh, wow, I think the coffee and the nootropics focus kicked in pretty well there. That was one of my best intros, eh? <laughs> Not bad. Uh, that's, that's a professional level of stuff <laughs> I right there. give myself a, a, a clap. <laughs> Usually I fuck everything up. Everything up. Um, so as we do on the podcast, the first part of the story we always want to connect is how the hell did you even get to Thailand? Connect with us that story from young Ben. Now, we know it doesn't start in Texas, but tell us your story in the U.S. and bring us right up to that point of what drove you to come to Thailand, train in Thailand, and now take on your long last, long Law, long lost dream? No, that's terrible wording. All right, never mind. The nootropics co focus kicked out. We're fucked now. <laughs> um, we'll keep it going. So tell us how that all connected, what brought you to Thailand, and a little bit about your backstory. Uh, so I'm going to condense this as much as possible. Um, basically, uh, born in Texas, grew up in South Louisiana. Um, usual stuff, being a Southerner, you, you play football in uh, high school, and then university, I ended up playing four, four years of rugby because I couldn't make the football team, so it was just a way to drink and still get to hit people. <laughs> um, and then I, I got finished with rugby about 2000, early 2006, I think was my last semester, and then I, I literally was doing nothing with my life. And it, it was also about the time that first season of The Ultimate Fighter came out, and again, I was living in a, in a in not a small, small town, but a very small in comparison to a lot of places, a uh, place in Louisiana, I think maybe 25,000, 30,000 people. What year was this? This is, um, this is around, this is about 2006. This is 2006. So I started training at a gym uh, called Gladiators Academy in Baton Rouge, Louisiana uh, in October of 2006. And I just had some money left over gifted for me for my birthday, bought my first gi, bought a, uh, bought a three-month class pass for, I think at the time, three months was $100. So I had a little cash, broke college student, and I would travel. It was about 45 minutes on a good day, on a bad day. It could be an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half if there was bad traffic. Um, training. So I'd go in, come back and forth a couple of times a week. And they ended up opening uh, another gym literally right down the street from my house, trained there for a year. I, I have a habit of bouncing around. So I, I, I was about two years into jiu-jitsu, and then I moved from uh, Lafayette, uh, from Hammond, Louisiana, where I was living, going to Southeastern Louisiana University. Um, there was some issues with me finishing my degree there, and so I ended up moving across the state to Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, I felt like I could get... A better degree, not a better degree per se, but better services through the university. I felt like it would be more beneficial to be in a larger town. Also, um, I had found out uh, Tim Crater had opened a gym there. He was actually my first instructor back in Baton Rouge, but he would be traveling in from Lafayette. So he opened in an Anytime Fitness. It's called Gladiators Academy. So we had two rooms in this Anytime Fitness. 
the back room was literally, the best way I can describe it was the old meat locker because this is like a converted grocery store. So there was a meat locker in the back that they put mats down, wall, uh, wall, wall stuff, uh, wall matting, and then they put uh, bags in. This is where we would spar, we would do our Muay Thai, and then up in the front they had a spring floor for your jiu-jitsu. So you, you'd be crossing through an anytime fitness with moms just doing their, their, their cardio and stuff, and then they'd see these guys coming out of the back room, walking to the bathroom, blood coming out of their face, blood coming out of their nose. We were having to clean ourselves up, go back in. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. If you go watch the movie Fightville, there's a movie on Amazon called Fightville. Um, I, I suggest it to anybody that loves MMA, anybody that's seen Dustin Poirier fight. It's his story, and I was there for the whole filming of it. There's a few scenes back in my, my, my heavier days. When I started with Tim, I was like 365 pounds. Um, I, 160 kilos, something along that lines, when I was training with him, when I started training with him. And so, like, it's my heavier days. You can still see me in some of the backgrounds of some of the scenes. Mm. So what ended up bringing me to Thailand was I graduated in 2010. I had lost over 100 pounds, and I was literally doing nothing, nothing. I was training every day. I didn't have a job. I was just trying to figure, figure stuff out because I, when I graduated, I had no plans. I was just like, I need to get the hell out of school. So I ended up flying out here in April of 2011 in Phuket. Uh, it was my first trip to Thailand. Um, so I trained at Sinbi Muay Thai. Now this is the old Sinbi. If you uh, if you're familiar with Rawai, mm -hmm. if you're going towards Patong and Kata through the Naiharn area, there's if you look today, the building's still there. It's it's kind of set up. It's still for rent or for sale. There's like I think like ten rooms. They had two rings in there. And I had, I just knew the Muay Thai back from when I was training with him and all that stuff. And it turns out when I was there, and I didn't know who he was at the time, I was, got to work with Sanshai. Mm. My first time in Thailand, I'm training with, at the time, uh, Buakau was kind of out of training. Sanshai was considered, I think, number one pound for pound at the time. And you get to, I ended up getting work clinched with him sometimes. And, and then I get home and people are like, do you know who you just worked with? And I was like, no. This nice Thai guy, and it's like, oh, that's Sanshine. And then you go look him up, and this is early days of YouTube, 2011, you know. And you're watching this film of him handstand kicking people, and you're just like, well, I'm glad he was so nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, overall, just in MMA, as the thing I love about the sport, and training with Tim, it was the kind of the same way. We'd be sitting there, and like one Saturday, I'm sitting there getting dressed in the locker room, and in walks Forrest Griffin. Mm. And we just... I get to train with Forrest Griffin that day. And that's just one of the beautiful things I think about MMA in general is that, I, and I compare it like this. I'm like, can you go play one-on-one -on -one with Michael Jordan? Not going to happen. Can you go catch pra passes from Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees? No. Can you go, can you go pass the ball Cristiano Ronaldo? No, you can't. But you can come to a place like Phuket and you can, you can go work. I've gotten to work with guys like Yoshihiro Akiyama. Uh, I got to spar with him at Tiger. You, you get to work with these high, 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 top-of-the-level guys, and they will work with you because they need the work, as long as you're respectful. And it's a great opportunity to see how the sport really affects everyone at all levels. Yeah, because they're looking for certain training partners and body types as well when they're coming in these MMA gyms. Exactly. And, and again, in the earlier days in the sport, there just wasn't that many of us, especially in the heavier weight divisions. So you get opportunities where it would just be like, wow, they brought in a Gracie just to do a seminar with us, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, I, I want to talk quick about your when you came in 2011 mm -hmm. and and I'm. As we discussed, we've known each other for a couple of years. Uh, you came, you went, you came, you went between Thailand and whatnot. Uh, just before that, uh, we're just going to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, uh, Five Star Marine. They're sponsoring this podcast. They're allowing us to produce this on a weekly basis. So a huge thanks. We're very grateful for them as well. Um, if you want to understand who Five Star Marine is, they are a VIP uh, speedboat tour company that you can 100% charter to yourself. 
That advantage of that I find in Phuket is if you're just jumping around and, you know, trying to find these speedboat tour companies, they might take you to islands or places that might not be of interest to you and maybe you can save them on gas. But Five Star, they allow you to kind of cater your own trip and go where you want to go and really create that whole tour of what exactly you are looking for specifically. Um, so go check them out. It's at Five Star Marine Phuket. Uh, I believe Hans will put up a QR code over here as well. And that's a huge shout out to them and especially Sean Stenning. And they're doing also great stuff on the island in terms of Living Waters Phuket, a lot of charity stuff. And they were responsible for feeding the island of Phuket during that, uh, I guess, previous situation. So a big thanks out to Five Star Marine for making this possible. Uh, so back to Ben. Let's chat about coming in 2011 with this idea of okay you just want to train Muay Thai did you have any goals or ambition to maybe fight professionally or where would that actually lead to honestly I was just trying to get my first fight in the U.S. and it was suggested to me to come out here to just really short my Muay Thai get get some more weight off and just really just see if I wanted to do this um Tim Crater's actually the one that suggested what, Simbi. sorry uh, to jump in there at, at this 2011, you're again. You're trying to find this fight back back in the U.S. What age are you at this at this? I point? am 2011 at the time. Let's see. I was uh like I was like 28. I think I was like 28. So already quite I'm late. Really late. Yeah, yeah, quite late. Now again, you got to remember that this is not back. This is not today where these kids are having 10 years of experience by the time they hit 21. This is this is where it's still. This Fox Sports deal hasn't come through for the UFC yet. It's still a very, I wouldn't call it small, but it's still in that early stages of the explosion Mm -hmm. that the UFC had. And what ended up really happening was um, I got back to the U.S. after spending a month here at Sinbi, and um, nothing really happened for a few few months. And then I got a phone call in August. Um, It's August 2011. I got a phone call from Tim. I was just coming out of a lifting session. And he's like, hey, what are you doing right now? I was like, um, I'm just leaving weightlifting. I need to go. I'm going to uh, go get something to eat and then come back uh, and do some jujitsu. And he's like, oh, you're fighting on Friday. And this is a Monday. And I'm like, oh. MMA. MMA. And I'm like, okay, I'll go get the blood work. So, and I hung up the phone. I didn't ask any other questions. I was just like, okay, I guess I'm fighting. So I went, got my blood work done that day, went back, trained that night. And I was, I was actually not in Lafayette. I was uh, working with an Olympic lifting coach at the time named Gail Hatch, who actually coached the 2004 USA Olympic weightlifting team. Mm-hmm. So um, I packed up my stuff because I'd stay with my parents because they lived like right around the corner from his gym. So I packed up my stuff. I went back to Lafayette after class that night. And just, I didn't, I don't think, I didn't have any weight to cut. So that was easy on me. I just needed to make sure all my blood work was good. I, everything worked out. So I get down, the fight's right outside of New Orleans on the West Bank in a place called West Wego, Louisiana, at um, this, this little arena they have, convention center called the Ilario Center. And my opponent doesn't show up to weigh-ins. I'm like, oh, man. So I'm thinking the fight's canceled. So I just go, I weigh in, I go have my dinner, I go to my hotel room, I got a hotel, they, 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 they paid my travel expenses and they got me a hotel, so which is really great for an amateur fighter to, to get experience. And so I just, I woke up the next morning to go get the continental breakfast because I'm poor at this time. I'm literally broke uh, as all could be. So what I would do is uh, I would, I got the continental breakfast and then I got a second one. So I didn't have to yeah. spend money on lunch. Um, I'm just stuck it in my room. And so I see one of my boxing coaches and he's like, Oh yeah, your opponent's going to show up. It's all good. He weighed in late yesterday. Mm. So what ends up happening was I get to the arena. I still haven't seen this guy. And I see some guy like staring at me across the, uh, the, the backstage area. And I'm like, who's that? And they're like, oh, that's your opponent. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, so you go through your preparations for the night. And I'm, I'm getting ready. And then I'm getting ready to walk out. And then like my coach comes up to me and I have my headphones in. And he starts talking to me. And this is literally, he, I, I take my headphones out to listen to him, but it's literally the worst motivational speech you could give somebody to, to, to when they're about to walk out the fight. I loved him to death. I, I, I am forever in debt for him introducing me to a jujitsu and all this, but man, I, ho- I, 
I know his motivational speeches have gotten better because he, he literally says to me, and I will never forget these. He's like, look, they're all going to call you a fat piece of shit <laughs> and they're going to laugh at you. So just don't worry about it. I'm like, great, Tim. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's exactly that. what I need to hear. And then the, the, the intermission's over. I go out. We start the fight. Um, I ended up getting knocked down, I think, in the second round. But um, I threw a head kick in the second round that uh, broke the guy's arm in several places. Um, and they ended up stopping the fight because of the broken arm. And so that was my only fight. Um, life kind of took over from that point. Uh, every time I would, like, I blew my knee out a few months later, um, I had, I had, I had no money. I was trying to find a job. I ended up moving to a different city and about, about God, almost a year after that fight, I had another fight get signed for another amateur fight. Literally the day it got, I, I, I was like, yeah, I'll take the fight. I was training with a new guy. Um, he had lied to us and said, "Oh well, I'm gonna. Uh, I, I have a fight coming up. I've trained a lot. Da da da." Dude had no training. He's just one guy that thought he could brawl and with his friends in the back of a trailer and get fights. I ended up taking him down a couple of times, and I went to uh, do like a quick little hip toss on him. He panicked and he just dropped in, blew my knee out, just gone. My my ACL was gone, um, and I had to rehab that. Um, so I ended up moving to Houston, Texas, a few uh, two thousand into two thousand thirteen, and then um, yeah, end of two thousand thirteen, moved to Houston. Um, I got some opportunities in two thousand eighteen and two thousand nineteen to do some professional grappling matches, um, and that's kind of where things go south for me. Is like is I did my last professional grappling match in July. Or, uh, of 2008 of 2019 for submission hunter pro I had broken up with my long-term girlfriend um, before this and uh, I was living with a friend of mine who uh, I thought was a friend but they ended up uh, she ended up we ended up getting into this weird argument because uh, I found out later she was a massage therapist um and we got an argument about bringing clients to the house, and that was an agreement that that was not going to happen, and then she did it anyway, and it was just this big shit show, and she threatened me, and I ended up disappearing. I was like, I got to get out of here because I don't want this chick to call cops on me and claim I did something, and, you know. Mm. So I ended up going to New Orleans for a few days. My parents live, visited them, and so my parents live a little north of that, but I just wanted to go hang out with some buddies in New Orleans and uh, for the Saints-Texans game. So I come back to Houston. My apartment's cleaned out. Like, all her stuff's gone. The electricity's off. I got to go talk to management. Uh, I talk to management. I tell them what's going on. They were aware there was a situation going on. She had already, me and the manager had had a talk. She'd had a talk, and we were trying to figure out a way maybe I could get out, but she just disappeared. So the manager was really nice. He's like, okay, here's what's up. She screwed up. You were trying to do the right thing. I'm taking your name off the lease. She's fully responsible for it. I'm like, good, go. Cool. So, but now I'm homeless. So I ended up uh, living in my car a bit, living on my friend Bianca's couch, living with my parents. So I would go to Baton Rouge on the, during the week. And on the weekends, I would come back to Houston and work like Thursday through Sunday at my nightclub jobs. Um, I had ended up... Uh, quitting my real estate job, a whole bunch of other stuff had gone on. It was just not working out uh, with my current situation. I thought I could pick it up later. You know, but the thing was, I started drinking a lot, started smoking a lot, you know, wasn't wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And uh, obviously in that kind of situation, it's really hard to train. It's really hard to keep your head on straight. So my mom and my ex-girlfriend came to me and they're like, hey, you need to do something. You either need to go rehab or you need to do something. I was like, oh, I don't want to go to rehab. I don't want to go to rehab. So I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to go to Brazil. Let me call my buddy. I got cash saved up because I haven't been paying rent in like at this point like three months. So I have a nice little chunk of change saved up. So and and, they, and my mom and my ex threw some money towards me to help me out to to, to pull this off. So I called my uh, my friend down in Brazil, one of my old professors, Igor Igor Santos from GF Team. And I'm talking to him on the phone, and he's like, yeah, man, let's let come down. Come down, stay for a month. Let's get in shape. We'll get you back your head straight. You know, I was like, yes, yes. And then he messed up. <laughs> he's like, we'll go to the beach. We'll go to the clubs. I'll introduce you to people. My mom's like, nah. <laughs> nah, you're not doing that. We're, we're not. We're, no, I'm not letting you get on that plane. So I came back to him the, like two hours later. He's like, look, I'm going to go back to Cindy. And this is, this is October of 2019. 
So I'm like, I'll go to Sin B and stay a month. I, I plan all this trip in a, like a one-week period. I'm on the plane the next week. Maybe two weeks. I'm on the plane. I get out here. I stay from late October to late November. Uh, met some really awesome people out here. Um, as always, you meet a girl, you know, sometimes you're like, and, and I, and who happened to be Brazilian, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> the one thing my mom was scared of is she was like, I don't want you to go to Brazil. You end up married and meet a Brazilian girl in Thailand. Mm. So I get back home and you know, it was just like, I was right back in the same situation. I was just like, this is not working. This is not working right now. So I ended up saying, screw it. I got on back on a plane. I was like, I'm going to go do three months in Thailand. And then I'm going to train for three months, try to get a fight. And then I'm going to try to get a job teaching if the fighting thing doesn't work out just to see what we could pull off. Because I had heard 1FC was desperately at the time trying to expand their heavyweight division because they were trying to get uh, contracts. And now they have one with Amazon Prime in the U.S. And the U.S. is a, he a heavier weight class market. So I was just like, you know what, give it a shot. I'd seen some, like, the Contender Series stuff with guys with no fights, one fight. I knew there were there was, like, Will Chope with Thailand Fighting Championships and all that out here to give me some opportunity. So I was like, screw it. I got back. Uh, I, I, I sold my car. I, I did everything. I got back in February 2020. Perfect timing. <laughs> Amazing timing yeah. for, for, for a maximum six-month stay. Yeah. So that, that is how I ended up now three years in Thailand. Now, we kind of met during that time, probably during the lockdowns, let's call it. That's probably when we first connected. And I think it's still all a bit of a blur of like that. The last <laughs> two years of it just disappeared during that time. We know there's lockdowns. Everyone has the same story of people are just trying to train wherever they could. Could you talk a little bit about that during that period? Because you, ha you haven't really left. What did you do? How did you get around all these gyms being closed to stay active? Honestly, I had had a rough two years leading up to when when the virus hit. Um, the first lockdown, I think it was what uh, three April. months out. Like it started. It was March eighteenth. They started the first part of the lockdown because we had gone out for St. Patrick's Day, and yeah. I was hungover, and they had shut the gyms. And then it was like, oh, this isn't good. Um, so I really just took time off during that first lockdown. I really just, I was just like, you know what. Back in Houston, I was working two jobs. I did, was living on couches. I, it was just, it was nice to just take a breath, you know? Like, when, when you're living this, I was I was living a lifestyle in Houston where I would work, I'd work at a club from 9 p.m. till 3 to 4 in the morning, go home, sleep for a few hours, go to training at 10 o'clock, either go to the office or be at training the next morning uh, when I was doing real estate and, and, and fighting professional grappling matches. So I literally for, for two years and, and in that time I'd lost a hundred pounds. I was just burning the candle at both ends. So it was kind of nice at first just to just stop, just to take a breath and you know what, roll some up, not worry about training. I don't care. I'm just, I'm just happy to have a freeze. I got to reconnect with some of my friends back in the U S through things like discord and it was just an interesting thing to just see the world take a pause, you know? So it just ended up, I just stopped. Now, granted, we've had multiple times, gyms be close six to eight weeks. I just, I don't know what it is. Um, sometimes I would train a little bit here and there and maybe go run. It was just something with me that without that interaction of constant jujitsu, I don't stay active. It's, 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 it dates back probably, it's probably my ADHD or something I think like most, that. most people, you know, when you fall out, like if you're training five days a week and just one week you train zero days, it's very hard to get back into a five day a week routine. Exactly. It takes a couple of weeks. You might do two and the next way three, but it takes and a month. And the thing was, was about it was that was so frustrating is you'd finally, after about three, four weeks, you're working up, you're hitting on all cylinders. I'm like, okay, my weight's coming back down. I'm, I'm feeling good, feeling good. Lockdown. Another one, just instant. And then there's another six weeks. You're like, okay, I'm I'm kind of hiding. We're trying to we're trying to train in like room like uh, rooms that have been converted just for jujitsu. We just got mats everywhere, or we're like hitting pads behind trees on the beach. You know, it was just stuff like that, and it was just it was frustrating to me. And it, and it's I, it's 
I don't like that anxiety. I go to training to relieve anxiety. I go to training to relax. And I don't know people like, oh, you get relaxed by getting punched in the face. Yes, because it's a different set of problems in your everyday problems you're working on. And it's, 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 it's a simple concept. Don't get hit, hit, whatever. So it, it, to, to be that stressed out like training, it was doing me no good. And it was just like, eh, you know what? I'm okay with being lazy right now. So, and that's how I really handled all the lockdowns. I ended up getting mm-hmm. locked down in Bangkok in April of 2021 for four weeks. Um, yeah, I think uh, the main lockdown here, I think, was about a month, and that's where they really locked locked everything down. Uh, I think it was a little longer. Than, no, it was longer than And then month. the gyms completely closed. But cu- coming up, as we come out of the lockdowns and the gyms are opening up again, can you explain a little bit about that? the the pivot and your goals and your path to what led you to this upcoming fight today did you vision this all or was it kind of let me just get back into training and see what happens honestly this has kind of been just kind of being at the right place at the right time um this this fight actually came together because um in june i went up to bangkok well let's first just for for context explain like the promotion, what is this fight, what's going to be happening, some dates, and, and just a little bit more background on what that's okay, going so to be. so I'm fighting for 1FC Lumpini, which is, uh, 1FC is, I would say, the biggest overall combat sports organization in the world because they do encompass kickboxing, Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They have all, uh, Nogi Grappling, they have all that under their umbrella, and they give it a very, very high-level platform, especially in Asia. But then, I mean, for MMA, I would say they're they're probably number two to the UFC in MMA specific just because they don't have, like, a lot of foothold in the American marketplace or the European marketplace. Obviously, everybody, when you say UFC, everybody knows. One FC, you kind of have to explain it to them. Um, It was just kind of being in the right place at the right time. I was uh, trying to, again, I I like to leave to get refocused. I like to take myself out of environments. So back in June, I wasn't training much. So I went up to Bangkok for two weeks to train an uh, amazing gym called FA Group, Mui Cow Gym, brutal clinch uh, training. I really wanted to up my clinch game. So I, I spent two weeks there, and I ended up meeting uh, a now friend of mine named Bashir. And Bashir works for 1FC. He's an executive over there. And we just kind of like, I go to Bangkok. I try to go Bangkok, uh, try every two to three months because I miss being in a city. I miss that energy of the, a city always is changing and evolving and moving. In Phuket, you can get that sabai sabai slowly, slowly. Yeah, man, we're just going to chill on the beach today, whatever. Going back to a city reminds you how to hustle. And that's what you had to do in Houston. You had to hustle. So I meet Bashir. I've seen him several times. And then I, I told him, like, I'd like to fight for 1FC. It's kind of been a goal of mine. I know y'all have done, like, Rich Franklin's Contender Series. or I forgot what the exact name of it was. Um... So if an opportunity ever presents itself where you need a guy on short notice or whatever or heavier guy, let me know. Just let me know. Just just throw it out there because you. the worst they can say is no, you know. So I ended up um, getting a fight with Will Chope with Thailand Fighting Championships. It was supposed to be this past November. Unfortunately, uh, my opponent was injured. So the fight got canceled. So I was just like, eh. Um, well, I'm going to flashback. I was... Uh, I trained at Temple Jiu-Jitsu as well, and uh, Olavo really challenged me to, uh, Professor Olavo down there, really challenged me to get back in shape and start competing in Jiu-Jitsu again. So went to Bangkok, won my division in a tournament, um, and around this same time, Will Chope came to me and said, hey, look, I got to fight in uh, November. You want to fight? I was like, well, okay, what's the weight? And I'm, keep in mind, I'm walking around at 120 at this time, 120 kilos. I'm still very chunky. I still have my COVID fat boy on me. That's like about 250? 250, 260. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's like 95 kilos. I thought for a second, and I was like, sure, let's do it. What's the worst that can happen? So I'm cutting weight for it. Da, 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 da. End of October, he calls me. Hey, your opponent broke his arm. Mm. Ah, and I knew the guy that I was supposed to fight, so I felt really bad for him. So I'm like, okay, well... I just kept training, man. I just, I, I didn't, I stopped doing Muay Thai. I just focused on my, it was focused on my jiu-jitsu. And I ended up getting my brown belt from Professor Olavo back in, uh, in, in December, mid-December. Um, because I needed to move up here for a while because uh, the new influx of tourists and people coming here long-term due to the situation in Europe and Russia. 
made rent prices like triple down in raw wise. Yeah, so it, it was just, it was just, I, my apartment went from 10 K to 20 K, which I totally get. If they can get that, I understand that totally. I had an opportunity to move up here for, for a reasonable amount of money. So I did that. Um, so I, I've been, uh, so I decided I was going to Copang Yang in, uh, January to visit a friend and, and try to get some tattoo work done. So I'm on the beach at Copang Yang a few weeks ago. And this is like, like January 7th or 8th or something. This right after the new year. And I get a text from Bashir. He's like, Hey, are you still in Thailand? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm still in Thailand. And he's like, I don't be interested in fighting. And I was like, I'm always interested in fighting. It just depends on, on what the deal is. <laughs> and he's like. Um, and he told me the money and he told me the, he, he didn't tell me the money first. He, I just was like, Oh, okay. What's the date? And I was like, Oh, it's March 3rd. And I was like, okay, the weight. And he's like, Oh, heavy weight. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's doable. I, I, I let me talk to my, one of my coaches. Cause I just started training at Bang Tao MMA, but let me talk to my coaches and we'll, we'll see. And he, I was like, he just sent me the invent info and the pay and all that. He sent me the pay. And I was like, okay, okay. I like that. I like that. <laughs> um, and then he sent me the event of the phone. It was one Lumpini. And I looked at it and I waited literally 30 seconds. I'm not going to call a coach on this. This is an opportunity. This is one of those situations where this it, it's, it's opportunity literally just kicked on your door and said, hey, get the hell out. Uh, get the hell out here right now. You know, it's not knocking. It, it is literally like the SWAT team coming in to drag you out. <laughs> I, I looked at it. I was like 30 seconds later. Nah, I'm down. I'm, I'm good. Let's make this happen. And so, I mean, that, you know, it's one of those, it's, it's like one of those like sports movies, you know, the guy that, that's been working for years and years and never got an opportunity, never got a shot, had maybe a moment, just this one moment of a little bit of glory, and then, then you get this, this massive, massive opportunity. You can't turn something like that down even at 40 years old. It's, it's like, I know there's maybe three fights left in me, four fights, let's see. But you get that, you just like, whatever happens, happens at this point. So when you got that call on the beach here in Copenhagen, I mean, what kind of emotions? What were you feeling? Were there friends beside you? What was that story? Um, I, I was there with, uh, with a friend of mine. I, well, she was a friend at the time. And, you know, it's a weird situation. Now. I won't get into that. But I was sitting there, and I was just, I had a joint in one hand. I had a cigar in the ashtray and I had a whiskey in the other hand. And I was just kind of, I was like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it's just one of those situations where you just, you can't think in that moment when that opportunity hits you. It's just like, I got to go with this. And it's just like, and then that, that I was supposed to be in Copenhagen two weeks. I ended up coming back. Uh, I ended up coming back over a week early, just only because it took me that long to arrange the travel and get everything sorted out um, to make sure I had like, I had to get the ferry to the bus and it, and it was just like, oh, and I was actually supposed to be back a day earlier and then they canceled my ferry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, shit. You think, though, that a lot of people in your, your similar position, especially as you're getting later in, in, into the, your careers or, you know, being able to get these opportunities, I see these people at the gym. They come here to train. Maybe even even 35, it's, it's getting older, getting a bit, you know, long in the tooth. And they come out here and train, and they would never think of these opportunities happening. Now, the question is more or less, like, if you're living in the U.S., do you think you have a less likelihood of getting that opportunity compared to living in Thailand, specifically like in these regions. Absolutely never going to get that opportunity in the U.S. And unless you're somebody like a CM Punk or, um, or, or somebody that has a, a bigger name behind you, you know, you're not going to get those opportunities in the U.S. Um, the UFC is not going to go out of their way to just get some O&O guy when they have people just kicking down their doors at the heavyweight division and the light heavyweight division to, to, to fight. Out here, I knew, and that's one of the reasons I came to Thailand, I knew there was opportunities because there were so few heavyweights out here. Smaller amount of opportunities, but more people are more open out here because there's such a small pool of us on this island. And in, in general, in Southeast Asia, even China, the heavyweight pool is very, very small. So when if, have, I'm not sure if it's happened, but people, I'm assuming they might hit you up after this fight and reach out to you saying, like, I didn't even realize that opportunity to, could exist. I mean, essentially, you could be that catalyst that opens up the heavyweight division, especially in terms of opportunity. People might have not even have seen the light in the U.S. And imagine there's another guy similar to yourself back in Louisiana, and they go, hey, why don't I go move out there? Why don't I... I why don't I attempt to try that? Is that how you would want to share your story? 
you know, it is it's one of those things that all the preparation in the world, that's great, but it's also being at the right place. And I really don't say I have a lot of luck, but when it when luck with me comes with meeting the right people at the right time, that's where I've been lucky. And it, I just kind of happened into that situation. But the opportunity does still exist out here if you're talented, um, if you're willing to work hard. There's a lot of opportunities out here for heavyweights because there's so few of us. I mean, uh, and you get friendly with the other guys kind of your size, you know, because with with the, with the small pool, we're, we're all going to end up knowing each other. This is a small island. Like, off the top of my head, I know maybe five, six guys between jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, MMA, you know, that would, are heavyweights that would fight. You know, you, of course you get the tourists out here that I've trained a month of Muay Thai, let me go fight in Bangla Stadium or let me go fight in Rawai Stadium, which all the due respect to them. You, you put your ass out there, you get in the ring, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. But then again, for opportunities like, Will Chope's Thailand Fighting Championships, uh, 1FC, that kind of stuff takes a level of coming out here prepared to take those opportunities. What are some of the challenges, though, as as a Farang training in Thailand in terms of distractions and how to cancel the noise? Well, there, there's two levels, I think, of training out here as Farang, a, 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 as a foreigner. Um, there's, first of all, I, I'm going to speak specifically for myself. Being a heavyweight, it's hard to find training partners. I, I've, I've been very lucky with Bangtao MMA, with Temple Jiu-Jitsu, that there have already been heavyweights in the gym that can help me push myself. A wonderful group down at, at Temple Jiu-Jitsu, an amazing group up here at Bangtao MMA. Even, and it's also learning how to train to get what you need out of the training and not be an asshole. You know, it's learning how to train with everybody. Like, okay, well, okay, there's only there's only eight of us in class today, and this was a major problem during during COVID and while the country was sealed off. You go to jujitsu class, there's three or four people, man, and it's like, okay, these are the people I have to train with. I got to make this work, and it's being open and being honest with yourself that it's like I don't need to win every round, I don't need to win every role. I need to figure out stuff I can work on today that's going to improve me for tomorrow. Because there's going to be days that I'm going to outweigh the biggest person in there 40 pounds, you know. Okay, what can I work on today? I got to roll with this 155-pound guy. Well, let me work off my back today. Or let me work on this particular particular arm bar. I want to try to learn to set this up better. And and that's just on the training aspect. Now, now the lifestyle aspect out here, you, d- discipline is freedom out here. I, I know I'm stealing that from Jocko. You know, discipline is freedom. The availability of distractions in Phuket is infinite. I mean, from the simple things of, I can just go sit on the beach and drink a coconut this afternoon instead of going getting punched in the face. Or it's, hey, let's go out to Patong tonight. It's a Wednesday, bro. <laughs> it's a yeah. Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, but it's going. You have to remember when you're out here, um, if you're out here, especially for a short time, um, short term is it's easier to stay focused because, okay, I am here for four weeks. I need to get this stuff done. I have, it's way easier to stay focused. But when you're out here long term, it, it, it is it is very easy to get distracted with everything coming, going. Um, obviously now the... Uh, marijuana industry is huge out here you can't walk 15 feet sometimes without seeing four pot shops and, and that's not a bad thing i think it's amazing for the island it's amazing for the revenue but as a fighter you, you just got to tune that stuff out you, and i will be honest I, there's many many times out here i would have rather just sit for six weeks and smoke weed and do nothing you know you get frustrated you, you does it does it affect your training? Like a lot of people in jujitsu, they do smoke quite often. But I mean, jujitsu's it's not it doesn't have that intensity as Muay Thai in terms of lung capacity, where you really got to push yourself. Do you find you have to stop smoking completely to be able to train properly? Honestly, I had uh, to to really learn again in Texas, weed isn't legal, so yeah. you, you sit finite amounts. It's not expensive, but it's still, you keep finite amounts, you know, you smoke, you smoke before bed and, you know, 
it's really hard when you li live like 50 feet from a weed shop <laughs> to just be like, no, I'm not going to smoke right now. And especially when people will be like, hey, hey, can you try this new stuff for me? We just got this in. We got just got that in, which is a great thing. But you, you really have to determine your priorities at that point. And out here with smoking, I, I've cut back. Like I was smoking all day, every day. I would smoke a little bit, go to jujitsu, you know, smoke after jujitsu, smoke before dinner, you know. But when I started really getting serious again and back in uh, June and July, uh, Lavo came to me, wanted me to compete. So I was like, well, you can't smoke all day, every day. You can't do that anymore. So I, I try to limit it nighttime a little bit, help me get some sleep. Help, help, the good deep sleep is what you need for recovery and I do have problems sleeping especially when I'm training a lot because I, I do have anxiety and a lot of stuff goes through my head when I finally get quiet and I just find that just a little bit at night it really helps me on the cardiovascular side I honestly if you're not I don't find it it really affects it car, the cardiovascular unless you're smoking it like you would cigarettes but then could people just take dump gummies instead if yeah you could you could do edibles I can't train on edibles edibles for me that's that's like that's that whole body high and it's just kind of like that that's when I want to just comatose but yes yeah a, a, edibles I pop an edible at night like a 10 20 milligram edible it's great like but then then you get into the thing of like okay if I'm watching my diet very specifically Okay, I need to time everything. It's all about timing. So after dinner, before my protein shake at night, I need to smoke, wait 20 minutes, drink my protein shake, and then I need to be in bed because if I wait much longer than that, then I'm going to want to have munchies, and then I want to go to 7-Eleven. Yeah. And it's just it's, it's a lot of self-discipline if you're going to smoke out here, and there are times I have none of it <laughs> like, like anybody else, sabai-sabai. So, you know, um, but... Another key factor is make sure you have a good environment around you of people that are going to push you. Um, it, it's kind of hard being out here long-term finding that. Um, Bang Tao, Temple Jiu-Jitsu, those places that I've always, they have a nice, good core group of people. And flashing back to what I was, uh, it, that's what really helped me really get into Jiu-Jitsu in Lafayette, Louisiana, is you're, you're, you go into this room and working with people, you got like guys like Dustin Poirier on the mat, who, who most of your listeners will know who that yeah. is. Tim Crater, who was my coach, and he was in the UFC at the time. We had guys come through like Sean Jordan would come in and spar. And I've already mentioned Forrest Griffin. Mm -hmm. When you're seeing these core group of guys that are at a high level and, and they're there every day, you're trying to keep up with them. And out here, once you're here long term, it becomes not about that because there's such a, a, a turnover. You'll, you'll see people for a month, maybe two weeks here, three months if you're lucky, you know, you find that core group of people that you go see every day and you go train with, but you have to start really becoming intrinsically motivated uh, to, to keep that up out here in an environment like this where it is, where, where, where literally you're, you're on a tropical island paradise, people from the world, and somebody pointed this out to me a few, few months ago. A lot of people come out here. This is a once-in-a-lifetime vacation for them. This is something they're going to talk about into their, in their 80s. Their two weeks they spend in Thailand. Their one month they spend in Thailand, which I totally respect that. But once you live out here, you have to remember this is your life. You know, you have to remember that if you're out here to put in the work, you got to keep putting in the work no matter what. And that's it's really hard to do when you're surrounded by people that are just out here for a vacation, and God love them, it, it, it's, it's a rough thing sometimes. It's a rough thing when... Yeah, well, it's, it's... I think any... Like, the advice of what I've seen in gyms, it's the fact that, let's say you're a newcomer to a gym, and it's your first day. It's kind of like on a hamster spinning wheel. Just because it's your first day, it's someone else's last day. And, hey, Jimmy's last day, let's all go out for drinks. Well, you just arrived. Right, and that guy is. There's always going to be someone arriving, and always going to be someone leaving. And that discipline to avoid finished, who knows, Independence Day. There's always some sort of Cinco de Mayo, some holiday of some culture in the gym. There's going to be something going on. Again, like I said, someone's coming, someone's leaving, and that stuff is living in in general. Just in Asia, um, it takes a lot of discipline to avoid. And I'm sure you you can you can speak on that. You see this all the time. Well. It, when you're doing something like like MMA, like jiu-jitsu, like, like what we do out here, it, it doesn't matter where you are. You're still going to have those uh, 
distractions. But it seems that in Phuket, that they're turned up to 11. Because, like you just said, oh, this guy's last day is today. Yay, you know, we're all going out for a drink. Oh, well, I just got here. I'm still jet-lagged, you know. Okay, uh, you know, great. It's Jimmy's last day, but I have... I have 28, let's say you're out here for a month. I, you have 30 days ahead of you. What you need to do is realize you have a finite amount of time out here if you're not going to live here. And you need to make the most of that. And it's, anybody that comes to Phuket to train, I always tell them, try to come for one month. One month in the beginning. The first time you come out. Because, first of all, coming from the U.S., or coming, it's going to take you about, Four to five days minimum to get over the jet lag. So there's 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 four days gone. So let's say you have 30 days. So there's 26 right there. Then it's going to take you, if you're not from a climate very similar to this, it'll take you an, another three to five days to adjust to training out here. So now you're you're eight to nine days in. So now you, you have three weeks left. You have three weeks out of 30 days left that you can actually hit hard. Sure, it's good to go out. It's good to enjoy Phuket. Phuket is an amazing place. It's full of things to do. It's full of good. But if you're out here to improve yourself, my best suggestion is to pick, if you're going to come out here for four weeks, pick three days. Three days out of your trip. Three to four days, depending, depending on how serious you are. Three to four days, either at the beginning where you're going to be jet-lagged anyway, or right before you leave and have your enjoyment time. Ha go out, go drinking, go to Patong, Go, go, go to go to a show, go to the beach. You know, you can go to the beach every day and relax, right? That, that's not a big deal. But if you want to go to Patong, if you want to go party, if you want to go, go to PP Island, if you want to go to Kolanta, whatever you want to do, pick a block of time either at the beginning or the very end of your trip. I suggest the beginning because just this is the way I work. And do those things. Get it Have out of your, your system. Get it, get it the hell out of your system. And then remember, you're here to work. If you're out here to work, people, now if you're out here to just train and get in shape, let's say you can't, like, I, I see a lot of women come out here for their, prior to their wedding, I want to spend a month in Phuket getting in shape for my wedding, I totally understand that, go do your thing, but if you're out here to train, and you're out here to improve your jiu-jitsu, improve your Muay Thai, get it out of your system in one block, and maybe save the last two days of your trip to, 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 to finish it out, because... Your, your mind's already going to be back home anyway. Yeah, I, I think it does take a lot of discipline in, in that sense. And that's why I kind of, if, if you're coming to train here and that's going to be the month of training, it might be wise to create like a very rigid schedule before you arrive almost. Just what are you going to be doing from, let's say, 5 a.m. till you go to bed? I don't say create a rigid schedule because you want to have some, uh, flexibility. Some, some flexibility, some nebulous time out here to just enjoy Phuket. What I would suggest is, is be like, okay, where are my goals right now? What do I need to improve on? Yeah, am, I, am I just coming to train to, to say I trained in Thailand? Okay, fair enough. Go to one, to two cla one, one class a day. That's your deal. That's your deal. If you're out here to improve your Muay Thai, let's say, let's say you're a fighter. I need Muay Thai. My suggestion, go to a place like Sinbi. Get a spot at the gym where you don't have any excuses. You get up in the morning. You walk to the gym. You walk home. Train first thing in the morning. Get it over with. Yeah, oh, I'm on my, my training vacation. Cool. It is, if you start training at 8 o'clock in the morning, 7.30 in the morning, you're done by 9.30. You've gotten your hardcore training session in for the day. Then, go have your nice breakfast. Go sit on the beach for a few hours. If you want to go back in the afternoon and, and train, or if you want to go to a jiu-jitsu class in the afternoon, you can do that. Or if you just want to spend the rest of the day on the beach, cool. But you've still put your work in for the day. And that is the key, is just make sure you're putting your work in where you're comfortable with it and, and you have, a, uh, have your goals being met. Well, that's an interesting point you bring up, saying stay as close to the gym as possible, even within walking distance. And I think that's very valid, especially during raining season. Because anyone that, let's say, even if it's a three-minute motorbike, Sometimes that rain and rainy season, you're like, ah, fuck that. I'm not going. <laughs> oh, right? oh I, I've been there. I've been there. I've literally, I've had my bag on my back. On my back. I've opened the door. I've gotten my motorbike, put my key in, and it just goes, yeah. and I'm like, oh, no. Because I have like a 15-minute motorbike ride, and I'm just like, no, I can't, I can't drive in that. 
Uh, and the other reason I do say your first, and I'm specifically saying after your first time out here, you kind of understand stuff. It's really hard to explain it to people that have never been out here. But your first time out here, I say stay at the gym. At the gym. Um, because, A, if you're not used to riding motorbikes, you're going to get in a wreck. I, I can almost guarantee it. If you, you don't drive a motorcycle at home and you come out here and you think you can rent a scooter and tool around, you're going to fall. You're going to get hurt. Excuse me. Uh, can we? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> can we cut that one? <laughs> okay, uh, back up, back up, back up. Um, R- so, uh, motorbikes. Okay, so guys, so when you come out here the first time, unless you ride a motorbike back home, unless you ride a motorcycle or scooter back home, don't rent one, <laughs> please, <laughs> please. If you're not very experienced, because you're going to get hurt, or you're going to hurt somebody else. I, I know, like people are like, oh, well, it's so easy to da da da. Yes, but you're not you. You're out here for a reason, and you don't want to spend a week because you fell off your motorbike and you've got road rash. Well, it's a bit. It's a bit different. I, I, I think if you're in the Bangtao Surin area and you got this back road, you're much safer than because those places like, let's say Tiger and Chalong, and if you're, if you're, oh, oh, hundred percent. If you're staying at the Tiger, if you're staying at Tiger and you want to go to Nyharn, that's a first time drive. That's a scary drive. It's oh, a, it's, it's a highway. It's, it's terrifying. So um, I, I think we'll end this on, on one more topic. Um, because you've lived so long down in the Nyharn Rawai, you've been involved, you've been, I'm assuming, on the, on the soy, and you've also spent a lot of time up here as well. You, that's kind of when we connected, when you were living up here and then you moved back. For anyone that is trained in both parts of the islands, can you just speak on that? What was your experience? What do you prefer? What are the advantages and disadvantages of living in each place? And again, for anyone listening to this, we're specifically referring to living in the south, Nyharn, Rawai, Chalong, or living in the north, Surin, Bangtao, Laguna area. I would say it like this, and I'm going to break it into actually three portions. I'm going to break it into the soy, just the soy itself, because I did, I have, I have lived there, I think, a total of over a year since my time out here. Um, I'll break it into the Bangtao Surian area, and I'll break it down into the Rawai Nyharn area. I'll start with the Chelong area, the, the soy itself. The soy is great. The soy is great if you understand what you're getting into. It's, a, it's, it's not a serious party atmosphere, but it, it is a constant moving, breathing, living thing, especially during br- busy season. Um, it is not fun to walk around there. People drive like crazy. I do not. When I lived on the soy, I would walk everywhere unless I was leaving the soy. Just because the driver's there, they don't pay attention. Um, the soy is great for a first-timer in, in Phuket. I, I, I would suggest the soy for a first-timer in Phuket. The reason I suggest... You, you said you would drive on the soy or walk? No, no, walk. I do not drive on the soy. Okay, I, okay. Unless I'm leaving the soy, I do not drive. Even if I got to walk to one end or the other... It's just not worth it. It's just crowded, especially during busy season. And it's like a, a bypass road as well. Uh, it's that, and the, the people do not pay attention. They'll be flying, doing 80, 80 kilometers an hour, flying through there, and it's just like, what in the hell is wrong with you people? But for somebody that is their first experience in Thailand, it's a great place to go. You could stay at one of the gyms or one of the hotels or guest houses. Um, and to explain the soy, this is where Tiger Muay Thai is. This is Tiger Muay Thai is there. Um, there is, there's probably seven Unit 27. Unit 27, Titan Fitness. There's like 20 gyms on that street and on a few of the side streets right there. And then I think they have some like Phuket fight clubs a little further down across the road, you know? So there's a ton. And then of course, on top of that, you have your restaurants, you have a filling station, you have Ali's, you have some good Thai food. You have, you have all these restaurants, you have your major gyms and it's a good place for a first timer that, if you don't have to know how to ride a bike, you can walk everywhere. You can do your training. You can get easy cabs. You know, do stuff like that. Now, now, once you go down to Rawai, Nihar, and things. Well, I, I think before we jump there, yeah. the, the biggest disadvantage. Oh, it's just, it's just, it's always, it's, it's. You're nowhere near the beach. Yeah, that is a big disadvantage. There is no beach there. Um, the nearest beach, I would. Probably say near swimming beach to there, and we're going to get into this area is the Nyharn Beach. That's your best swimming beach. That's and that within a commute, you got to hit a highway. You need a motorbike, and it's about what was fifteen minutes? Fair? Uh fifteen? No, about twenty. I 20. think it's about. I think it's because uh, 
Sidby, I used to I used to stay on Soy Tayed and I would I would drive to a Lavos gym, which is right next to Nyharn Beach. 15, 20 minutes is a good estimation. On a highway going 100. Yeah. Well, at least you're going at least 60 you to 80. You got to get 60 to 80 on that or else you're going to get But there's cars going 120. Oh, <laughs> Maybe 140. Yeah, cars, minibuses. And, and, and that's why we say if you're renting a motorbike and if you're first time and you're on the soy, be very cautious of that. Exactly. Because you're going to end up with the Thailand tattoos, which are basically road runners. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got my Thailand tattoos. Yeah. I got... Um, so, so let's, uh, yeah, let's move now. If you wanted to choose Rawai Nyharn as a destination for training. Okay. So Rawai and Nyharn have some amazing gyms as well. Uh, it's just not as well known as the soy because it's just been, it, it's the soy gets a lot of attention because of tiger, um, and tiger's, uh, history with things like the UFC. But I mean, Sinbi Muay Thai is an amazing gym. Powerhouse Muay Thai, great gym. Um, the best jujitsu I think in Thailand when it comes to experience wise and teaching is Olavo Obreu, probably the best instructor in all Tem of Thailand. Temple as well. Tem Temple jujitsu. AKA is down there too. AKA is, but it's not, it's not really in the Rawai, like what you would consider the Rawai Nihon where you go and you take that, that, yeah. that right. Uh, AKA is kind of more up. Uh, there's a mosque on the highway. You yeah. go back. I used to live near there. And then you go up onto a, a little bit onto a mountain. So it's in the general area. And then but it's like about south, a halfway south point. Side, is it? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, there's south side down there. I haven't trained there. I know some of the guys there. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they have some good coaches. But again, I can't speak on the training there as uh, I've never trained there. But again, I... It's 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 a little lesser known, but not as uh, it's just not as popular because the soy gets all the attention. But reasonably, like Nyharn is a place if you want to avoid like the chaos of the soy because it it is chaos, especially during business season. It's a nice uh, it's a nice it's nice and spread out, and you can find decent housing. Right now, rent is very high out there. It's high season. There's a lot of influx of people right now coming from Europe and stuff and Russians, but you, you can find decent housing and there's really, really, really good high level gyms down there. Um, and now you're off the highway and you can get the motorbike and it's still a bit crazy out there. Not too bad, but you're a stone's throw to the beach now. Exactly. Um, you, you stay in Rawai. Nyharn beach is just right there. Um, world class. <sighs> that beach, man, that beach. Ugh. That, that I, I probably say that's my favorite beach in Phuket. Just in general. I, I, I do love the the uh, the beaches up here. Surin Beach is very nice. Kamala Beach is beautiful. Bangtao Beach is beautiful. But there's something about when you get to that Nyharn Beach. It is the first beach I ever experienced in Thailand. You look out there, and you got the windmill viewpoint up here, and you look to the right, and there's the Nyharn Hotel, real beautiful, beautiful hotel overlooking the beach, and and stuff like that. It's just like. It's a damn movie, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and that's we'll we'll jump into now the difference living up here in Bangtown. But before that, just to shed some light, myself living only in this area for six years, I think one of the biggest advantages living down in Rawai and that Chalong area, there's more of a community. You're there's not really the community up here. It can be families. It can be drunk assholes like myself. <laughs> um and Hans, hey, you're going in that bucket too. I'm not. And uh, on. well, Ben has been there a few times as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, but there's God, not there's not there's not that like there is much more of a community down in Rawai just because of the the food options, the yoga options, and the training options. Here we're very limited. So, for example, like you could be on the beach at Nyharn. There could be a volleyball game. You can easily get in, engulfed in the community in one day and be involved. Surin is a bit more difficult to, you know, find these friends and how do you just join, you know, a gang or a group of people? Because we don't really have those central locations like Nyharn. That is that is, that, that is a very good point. Um, Nyharn, Rawai, Chalong, I'm going to throw them all in the same pot right yeah. now because it, it's a very similar situation. Once you go to a gym up there, they're like, you, you start to know people after the first two or three days. There's little spots like um, the green room. On uh, and I'm not getting paid for this, but there's the green room on Soy Tayed right outside of Five Elements Hot Yoga where I used to live. That we could just 
hop over there and you there'd just be people on the porch and you'd go buy your joint and you'd just sit there and start rolling and then there's like four people that join you and they, they we're all rolling and then you just start talking oh let me get your instagram da, 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 da. and you start seeing the same people every day you see the same people at the gym you see this and you just okay you're gonna be my friends for the next two months okay now you're going home okay there'll be another group of people here but they don't have that up here they really don't and i think that's this is more of a family area up north. Well, it's it's more of a drinking culture up here. Yeah, there's well, I would say there's a drinking culture down there, but it's an older community of drinking culture. Right. This is up like, here. Yeah. And but the 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 tourists down there are younger. The tourists up here, more families, more more people trying to do the digital nomad thing. So and there's not a real collective plays i mean you have hugo hub up here which during covid and, and, and everything that was going on was a great spot there's then like it places, becomes a drinking culture yeah, yeah. And, and it's hard to and also people up here aren't here short term no this is more of uh living in a long term long term we're gonna be here six months a year da, 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 da. this is families are up here you bring your kids this is it's a safer area it's more like it's more like living in the suburbs in the U.S. or Canada, you know? Like, this is like the suburbs. You kind of know people, everyone but you don't hang up. Everyone knows everyone. Everybody here. knows everybody, but yeah. there's not, like, big groups of people hanging out. You right. know what I'm saying with that? Yeah, and it's it's a strange environment. Like, most people, I find, like, if you go to the local and this Bangtao Beach Bar area, Easy Bar, the Beach Pig, everyone kind of just shows up. And then everyone knows everyone. Eventually you run into somebody you know, yeah. and then you start chit-chatting at six more people. Like Beach Pig has been a, a great spot. I've met some really, really, really nice people at Beach Pig. That's actually how I met a lot of the people I know up here now is uh, I met a guy down here uh, back when Barcoonie was still open. Yeah. So that's the only spot I knew to buy weed. That's probably where we first met. I think so, because it was yeah. the only spot I knew to buy weed yeah. in uh, in uh, Bangtao at the yeah. time in Surin. So I met a guy named Stevie there. He was DJing at Beach Pig one night. And yeah. so I ended up going over there, meeting some people. And then that got me introduced to the people over at the old Hugo Hut, yep. which is now they've moved and it's now Hugo Hub. And then that's how you kind of like it's it's you got to kind of just up here. You got to be OK with just going out and just like, OK, hi, how are you doing? I, right. I'm new up here. You know, you, you kind of got to put yourself out there. What about in terms of the training and how that differentiates from down south? <laughs> Well, honestly, I, I've trained at quite a few gyms out here. Uh, Bangtao MMA has done a very good job of bringing that soy-style hard training up here um, to to uh, the Bangtao area. Uh, uh, when I first got up here, Bangtao was not open. Uh, it's uh, it was uh, I was working at Sutai and Muay Thai, helping them with their jiu-jitsu program and. Uh, now that Bangtao's open. So you have options up here now. You have uh, Sutai, you have Bangtao MMA, you have Revolution. Yep. Um, so there, there's, there's more another one in the back road here. And uh, balance, I think. Smaller type of gym, but it looks there, like it's more Muay Thai. Uh, there, well, there's Balance up here as well. Um, there's a few other small Sur Sur gyms. Surikit, but that's up the road. More. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and again, I'm not really tapped in as yeah. easy up here as easily because, um, I mean, I go to my places and I've really not had to explore out here. Um, but I think what you're going to see in the next three to five years is you're going to see a second version of the soy uh, built up here. Yeah. Well, the only problem I foresee having is they don't have that infrastructure of... Uh, There's not a walking street. There's not a walk, and that and places to stay is kind of, I think, going to be an issue. It's hard. They have the back roads of Bangtao, but you'll never find that on Hotels.com. Exactly. You need to get on a motorbike and just get lost in side yeah. roads and say, this house has a for sale sign on it. I, I will honestly say the best thing I figured out out here, and this is a tip for any traveler uh, that wants to come out here longer than, let's say, a month or something, Facebook Marketplace is your friend. Facebook Marketplace is your friend to find things in Phuket to rent. I've gotten some amazing deals off of there. I found places I would have never found otherwise. So, um, you know, if you're coming to Phuket, what I would suggest is come out here. If you want to do long-term, come out here, do a month at a gym if it's your first time. So you can learn the area, where you want to stay, where you need to stay. And then Facebook Marketplace, man. You can find some amazing deals. Uh, yeah, and I, I always recommend the same thing. Like, you can start with Fazwa's to get an idea of the marketplace, the price. 
then obviously Facebook, you're, it's kind of like going direct and you can get a bit cheaper. But I always tell people, once you find your location, get on a motorbike and drive around that neighborhood. You will find a for sale number or a, a number on a, a home. And that's probably going to be usually direct to the landlord. But again, word of advice. And but right before we wrap this up, it's not so much finding your dream home. Make sure your landlord's not a lunatic. <laughs> yes. Um, because my landlords are great that I've always worked with. But if you suss them out as like, this person's going to be a nightmare. So whatever you're renting, like forget about maybe ever getting your deposit back. Little you, things like that. You're not getting your deposit back 99% of the time out here, no matter what. Just, just accept that, but always negotiate. That's yeah. what I tell people. It comes from my, re I did a little real estate always negotiate because they're going to ask you for two times monthly yeah, yeah. rent and da, 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 da. look when i do this when i pay a deposit i know i'm not getting that back so i always try to negotiate it down um try to put it as long as you're not a jackass and destroy the place you know you're going to try to take care of things always try to negotiate your deposit down guys it, it's it's one of those things out here it's it's basically free money for them so don't let them take too much. Yeah, unless you get a, you get a good landlord and they'll help you. Yeah. And, and usually they will. If see the difference, I think is for someone like myself, where it's like I'm leaving because I found a bigger place or whatever. And if that landlord knows you're not leaving Thailand, they won't fuck with you because yeah. Phuket's such a small island that word travels so fast. Now it's way different if they're like, well, that guy's leaving and not coming back. Okay, they might treat you different. Um, on a final note, we're gonna kick it over to Ben's camera here. And if you could just let everyone know where they can find you, uh, which camera, Hans? This camera. That, did this one die? No. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> we're going to kick it over to that camera Camera there. two, camera two. Camera two, so you can stare right down the soul of your audience. Just let them know where they can find you on, on Instagram and more about your upcoming fight, the dates, and if I, if I do remember also if any sponsors want to reach out to you as well. Okay, yeah, you can find me on Instagram and I think TikTok at But Home Is Nowhere. B-U-T-H-O-M-E-N-O-W-H-E-R-E. -E. Uh, yes, emo kid status unlocked. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for sponsors for the upcoming uh, fight March 3rd in Lumpini Stadium in Bangkok for one Lumpini. It's going to, from what I understand, be nationally televised, the card in Thailand for free on free TV. So uh, please hit me up at either of those. Um, I do post consistently updates Couple, couple, couple of days a week on uh, my my training camp and how things are going. So, uh, but home is nowhere on uh, Instagram and TikTok is the easy way you can find me on Facebook. Uh, ben Parker, just like Spider Man's dead uncle. Uh, yeah, just hit me up. Perfect. That's how well Brent Spider Man's dead uncle. <laughs> I almost made that my Instagram handle, confuse. but I was like, that's dark. <laughs> yeah, confuse everybody. Um, yeah. So again, if if you're looking to sponsor Ben for his upcoming fight, uh, just hit him up on Instagram. We'll leave all links in the description so it's easy to connect. Um, we never know how to wrap these things up, so I think we're out. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, yeah. Cheers.